Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Marissa Charles and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Marissa Charles. Well, welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, your host, along with my co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. Dr. Charles is board certified in family practice, a doctor of osteopathy, and we're delighted to have her with us week after week. And it's been very educational for me, and I know for our listening audience. And Marisa, good to see you again. It's nice to see you too, Ron. As you take a look at how things are going, I know one of the challenges a lot of clinics have faced is getting their regular patients to come in for their regular checkups. That's true, Ron. Um, In light of the current pandemic, you know, we have so many patients that have just been so scared to come out, so scared to come into the clinics, and we're often missing very vital information for those patients. Um, Cancer screenings, there's so many things that we do on these normal annual exams um, to identify disease that um, some patients are, that we're missing out on. Well, we're going to have a special guest who's going to talk about the whole importance of the annual exam and health maintenance during COVID-19. Haley Newton is joining us also, a doctor of osteopathy. She is at USMD in Las Colinas. Haley Newton is uh, in Las Colinas Clinic in Irving, Texas. Earned her medical degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center, College of Osteopathic Medicine in Fort Worth. Completed her family medicine residency at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas. And undergrad, I think I heard her say before we came on, uh, she bleeds orange, a graduate of uh, UT. So Dr. Newton, great to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Now I'm right, UT undergrad? UNT, so North Texas. Oh, UNT, okay. I missed the N. (laughs) You bleed green. Oh, that's funny. Well, thanks for being here. And and I know one of the... uh, questions that uh, uh, comes up, and and Dr. Charles touched on it, is, first of all, helping patients understand why that annual exam is so important. Why is it? So it's a great time to check in with your doctor and to go over kind of how you've been doing over the last year. You know, I very much love when patients haven't needed me in a year, and this is a great time to touch in and be like, I'm glad you've been wonderful and healthy. Let's see how everything's doing. Um, and it's a great time to go over and make sure that we've got you all cut up on vaccines, that your blood pressure is doing well. And then you go through like the health monitor type situations. Um, so looking at mammograms, looking at colonoscopies, have we got you caught up on bone densities, all of those type of things. Um, so they're a very vitally important thing. They're not something, and unfortunately, given our pandemic, Dr. Charles is very right. Um, it's been difficult to get people into the office sometimes because it's scary. I understand that. Um, but it's a very, very important part of your health care that we don't want to ignore. Now, what are some of the vaccines uh, for seniors 65 and over that you want to be sure they're, they're up on? So we always want to make sure tetanus shots are due about every 10 years. There's a tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis vaccine. Um, there is also a shingles vaccine that is available for people over the age of 50. And um, so it's important to let people know that's not one that a lot of people know that we have a new one that has come out and everything. There used to only be one that was available for people over the age of 60. And um, so this one is newer and is available. 
Um, other than that, flu shots, very important this year. It is still, we're still seeing some flu, despite the fact that we are all social distancing, despite the fact that we are all wearing masks, um, flu is still a problem. So we definitely wanna make sure that everybody's still getting their flu shot and everything else like that. Um, right now, a big concern is um, just keeping everybody just up to date on all of these kind of things. What about pneumonia? Pneumonia is a very important vaccine. Um, some people, depending on what kind of um, chronic medical issues you've had, you may have had one prior to being 65. You may not get your first one at age 65. So that is a very important one to make sure that we're keeping up to date with as well. Are there more than one pneumonia vaccine? There are. That's a great question. Um, so there is one that is specifically for adults, and then there is another one that is actually a booster. So some people may qualify for needing that second booster, um, depending on what your chronic medical conditions are and everything like that. So that's an important thing to go over with your doctor is, do I meet the criteria? Do I need that extra booster? Or where you know is it one just enough for me? Now, I know some clinics are actually uh, seeing patients in the parking lot uh, that began when the COVID really slammed uh, our communities. Are, are you still going outside to uh, put your hands on a patient? If needed, yes, we still do. Um, you know, it, it, you're exactly right. We've had to get very creative um, over the last uh, nearly year at this point. Um, so a lot more telemedicine. Um, we actually have some opportunities to do some other um, grand pad visits, which is like an iPad visit we can help some of our patients with. Um, and then if need be, I've had some patients where, you know, we really need to see them. They're just not comfortable. We'll go out to their car and everything like that and do what we can out in the parking lot. Um, so we're really trying to do our best to help everybody be comfortable to keep follow up with their doctors and everything like that. But you really do have to kind of it's, it's been a year of learning and getting a little creative to help all of our patients get to see us. And, and of course, yeah. the saddest of all is patients who don't come in and then uh, see whatever issues they have get. Uh, worse and worse, exasperated uh, because they haven't come in. And Dr. Charles, you've seen that too, have you not? Oh, definitely. And and I was going to agree with Dr. Newton. We have seen had to make such big changes in how we see patients. But I think most patients have been, you know, pretty resilient and and are you know getting with the program. We've got. All of those same things that, that Dr. Newton's office is doing, we do them here with WellMed in San Antonio as well, where we'll see patients either outside in the cars, um, through those, uh, they're like small iPads called grand pads. We even have some, a program where we can send that grand pad into the home. So for a patient who's uh, either too debilitated or um, too uh, scared to leave the house, we can actually take the little pad to them if they don't have access to, say, telemedicine or, or internet or technology uh, in that way. Now, if so you we've just managed, joined us, yeah. If you just joined us, you're listening to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Maurice Charles. And on our Wellman Radio Hotline, Dr. Haley Newton, uh, she's a uh, physician with USMD in Las Colinas. And we're talking about the importance of that annual exam and health maintenance during COVID-19. Uh, Haley, what are patients telling you about uh, why they don't want to come in? Are they, they saying it's fear of being exposed to COVID-19? I think that there's some degree of that. I also think that we're, you know, 12 months into this and everything, and they it is, it's a little nerve wracking to get out of the house when you've been mostly in your home for several months. Yeah, we've so been inside been, since March. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot. And so even just leaving the house to do some normal things, um, it, it can be very overwhelming and a little bit scary. So 
Um, I definitely talk to them about the precautions that we take, how we screen patients, like how we do all of these things um, to kind of see if that makes them feel a little bit more at ease. Like we are doing a lot to make sure that, you know, people are coming in that won't have COVID or anything else like that. Um, and then I talk to them about what we do when I think that there might be a COVID patient, like how I see them outside at the car and everything else like that. So I think that that makes a big difference knowing like we're taking a lot of precautions. We do a lot of screenings and everything else like that. How do you um, protect yourself? Lots of masks. So we do um, and lots of hand washing and everything. I'll tell you before COVID never wore scrubs and I've lived in them since. Um, so we, it's a little bit of changes here and there, but it's mostly lots of hand washing and I wear masks and we just stay as healthy and as clean as we can. And I follow all the social distancing and masking and stuff when I'm not at work too. We're just now, trying to have, be as careful as we can. You have a family at home? I do. I have two kids. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. My five-year-old started kindergarten this year. Oh, congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's been a very weird year. Um, yeah. So virtual kindergarten? No, they are, my husband is also a physician, so oh, they I were see. back in school in person and everything like that. It's just not feasible for us. And it's been really, really great for them, like emotionally and socially, just to be back in the classroom. And I think for the most part, a lot of the elementary schools and the ISDs are doing fantastic at trying to keep um, all of the, the precautions that they can, given that they're kids and everything. But we've, we've been very, very fortunate, even at their elementary school. Now, when you get home, do you change clothes in the garage? Uh, I did initially. I very much did those first couple of months when we didn't really know how things were transmitted, that this was mostly a respiratory virus and everything. Absolutely, it did. I'm taking multiple showers a day right. um, to be extra, extra careful. Um, nowadays, I do change as soon as I get home, but I don't necessarily, and, and we do lots of laundry. Um, but at the same token, it's not me going directly into like decontaminate and everything else like that. I change immediately and I have specific shoes for work and they stay in the garage. <laughs> and when you get to work, uh, obviously everybody there is masked. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Everybody wears masks all the time. The only time that you take them off is when you're eating or for me, I can take them off if I'm in my room at my office alone and everything to do telemedicine right. visits, that kind of stuff. Now, what about the vaccine? Have you all uh, had a chance to be vaccinated yet? We've had the opportunity and everything. I did get my vaccine. I've been vaccinated with dose number one and dose number two. So I've been very, very, very fortunate to have been able to do that. Did you get any reaction to either vaccine? Sore arm with vaccine number one and um, nothing terrible at all. I feel like more comparable to maybe the tetanus shot. Right. Um, and with vaccine number two, I had a little bit of fatigue and I had a sore arm. Um, but you know, it was nothing that lasted more than 12 hours and a little bit of an ice pack and some Tylenol didn't take care of it. I'd much rather have that sore arm than COVID any day of the week. So oh, very, exactly. very happy to have gotten it and would recommend it for anybody. And how are you doing? Me too. Yeah. How are you doing vaccinating uh, staff? The vaccine, the group that we got and everything, they allowed it open to everybody to whoever wanted to sign up for it, sign up for sure. it. I will say um, the people who got it, we've been had dose number one and dose number two, and then we're waiting for more batches hopefully to be coming in so that we can vaccinate anybody else who was a little bit more hesitant. I did spend a little bit more time um, talking to anybody who was hesitant about getting the vaccine or anything like that and try to make sure I was addressing any questions that even our staff had. To be like, you know, your patients too. If something like, we need to make sure that you, all of your questions are answered, and that we were taking care of right. them as well. 
Marissa, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, I, I also have been vaccinated with both doses. And again, the first dose I thought was very easy, a um, little bit of a sore arm, didn't require any Tylenol or anything. I just, you know, roughed it out. It wasn't really that bad at all. I will say the second dose was a little bit stronger. Um, I did feel some body aches and some chills um, that lasted about 12 hours as well. Um, and and it was it was a bit unpleasant. I'm not going to say it wasn't. You know, I did take Tylenol the second uh, second time around afterwards um, because of the symptoms that I had. But compared to having the COVID, I would absolutely 100% take it any day, um, and I would do it again. So you know, I don't want to discourage anybody from getting the second vaccine, but I also don't want people to be alarmed if they do have some of those symptoms because you know it's it's pretty typical to have some maybe some chills. I've had some patients get, you know, a little bit of a temperature. It doesn't mean that you're having an abnormal reaction or a bad reaction to the vaccine. It's just your body forming an immune response to the virus. And um, and like I said, I did have some symptoms, lasted about 12 hours. And then it was it left just as if I hadn't had anything at all. Yeah, so I'm glad you take that. Yeah. Without playing doctor, without a license, is it after that second vaccine, your body has already built up some immunity and it thinks it's being invaded. You know, something like that. I mean, what it's it's supposed to do is identify um, certain proteins that are that the virus itself has so that it's ready to defend against them if you were to become exposed. Right. So. Um, so, yeah. Now, when you take a look at uh, maintenance of health uh, throughout the year, uh, we talked Haley about patients coming in for their annual exam, and Dr. Charles, uh, we've talked as well about uh, getting patients in, seeing them uh, at least annually. Some patients need to be seen more often. But when you talk about health maintenance, uh, Dr. Newton, what are you referring to? So those are those kind of things that we're kind of doing the cancer screenings, bone density screenings, those kind of things. So for us, it's really looking at colon cancer screening um, and kind of discussing the different options as far as that is, because it's not just that there's colonoscopies available. There are other things and not, we need to find the right one that fits your need. The most important thing is that you're getting screened and I will help you figure out the way that we can do that together. Um, you know, same thing with mammograms. We want to definitely make sure that we're taking care of those. Um, so I do a lot where I talk about the places that I do refer to about how good they're doing about screening, about how there's not a lot of people in the waiting rooms, how they're spacing people out and all of that kind of stuff. So I've really seen a change even in those type of offices where they've had to adjust to COVID as well. They're, they're not overflowing with patients. They definitely space them out so that they can make sure that we're maintaining social distancing and being very clean and uh, doing temperature checks and all of this other kind of stuff. So I think that that does kind of help alleviate some of those fears. Um, bone density, some people need bone densities um, for men. Some people need prostate cancer screenings and everything else like that. So those are all the important health monitor things that we definitely want to check out, as well as the vaccines and everything as well. Until what ages are are both of you recommending mammograms? So for different people, it can be different. Usually we're talking around like age 75 or so is usually the recommended age. Um, depending on if you've had abnormal ones in the past or other things like that, we might do it a little bit differently. But as far as screening purposes, usually around age 75, we're kind of talking about if we want to continue doing these. Dr. Charles, same thing? 
Same thing. You know, of course, you have some patients that are 75 years old and very fit and active and, you know, looking at a expect, life expectancy of another 15, 20 years. And you have other patients that at 75 have a lot of chronic medical conditions and we probably don't have a life expectancy that is quite as good as that. So I like to give patients an option, you know, after age 75, it's no longer required. But you know, if they're interested, if they're worried, if they want to go get mammogram after that, then we absolutely can send them. Um, And of course, we want them to do their self breast exams as well. And then for men, the prostate exam, is there (laughs) there an age limit on that? So there's different starting ages and everything like that, too. And then we do typically stop that around the same time. On 75 or so? Yeah. And for the colonoscopy? Usually they're around the same time. That one definitely depends, too, on looking at that life expectancy and everything else like that. Because colonoscopies, if they're normal, they're good for 10 years. Um, so doing them in somebody who maybe doesn't have those chronic medical conditions and stuff like that and isn't expecting... Um, you kind of have that discussion, like maybe we need to do a different type of screening. Maybe we need to do something else where we don't put you through that and everything else. So it's a discussion to have with your your provider for sure. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Marisa Charles. We're talking with Dr. Haley Newton, who is with us from USMD in Las Galinas. This is WellMed Radio. You may be experiencing anxiety or stress regarding all the news about COVID-19 or what is commonly referred to as coronavirus. You are not alone. Optum is opening its emotional support helpline, providing access to specially trained mental health specialists. This is a toll-free number and it will be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for as long as necessary. This is a free service. Anyone in need of emotional support is welcome to call. The number is 866-342-6892. That's 866-342-6892. One more time, 866-342-6892. Crying, waiting, hoping. Well, thank you so much for listening to WellMed Radio. We're delighted that you have stuck with us on our WellMed Radio hotline, talking with Dr. Haley Newton. She's with USMD in Las Colinas. And our co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles, is here as well. We've been talking about the importance of the annual exam and certain health maintenance exams that need to be done uh, from time to time. And I want to come back to something Dr. Newton mentioned. You mentioned bone density. Uh, How do you do that? And and why do you do that? So we definitely want to do those for some women and and men too. Um, It is looking at how um, strong your actual bones are. That's not something that a blood test can necessarily show us or anything like that. And so it's a screening test for osteopenia. Um, which is kind of like thinning bones, and then osteoporosis, which is having the actual diagnosis where we're like, all right, your bones are pretty thin. Let's have a conversation about, is this a point where we need to start some medications to help um, prevent them from getting worse? And um, if you have osteoporosis or even osteopenia, more than likely, um, you're, if your bones are really thin, you're at risk for things that shouldn't break your bones um, or anything like that. I, um, a, a fall that maybe, you know, 20 years ago wouldn't have done uh, caused a fracture or anything, but 
if your bones are getting too thin, like these little things where you take a small fall or you bump into something too hard, it, it could cause some damage and everything like that. So we definitely want to screen so that we're seeing whether or not you have the that condition so that we can maybe help uh, put you on medications that could potentially reverse it, strengthen those bones, that kind of stuff. Now, but it's a Charles, very non-invasive exam. Dr. Charles, we right. often think of osteoporosis or osteopenia as being a woman problem. Men can get it too, right? Well, there are certain medical conditions in men that can predispose. So we don't typically screen men the way that we do women. You know, women, as you know, every woman when she turns 65 should get screened at least once. If the test is normal, they don't necessarily have to be, you know, tested over and over, which was a, a more recent change in the recommendations as well. Um, but men, for example, if they're on chronic steroids, um, like prednisone for certain conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, like there's certain conditions that require the use of, of steroids, for example, and that does definitely predispose one uh, man to osteoporosis and thinning bones. And a, a hip fracture in a man is just as devastating as a hip fracture in a female. So um, there are definitely conditions in which it would be very important to screen for and osteoporosis. And you had mentioned, uh, Dr. Newton, you had mentioned that uh, the bone density exam is not invasive. You're not slicing into us to measure bones. What's done? How is it done? It's really just images. Uh, they look at your spine and they look at your femur, which is your large bone, your hip, uh, large thigh bone. Um, so they're really looking at that and it's really almost similar to an x-ray. Um, so it looks at the thinness or the thickness of those particular bones. And then it kind of comes up with a number for us that we can look at it. And it also takes into account some risk factors. Like if you've been, like Dr. Charles mentioned, if you've been on steroids for a long period of time, um, if you... Um, have been on certain medications, if you have been on certain hormone therapy, like some of these other things that can kind of tell us like if you need to be on medications or just open up that conversation with your provider on what does it look like? Am I at risk? Should we talk about medications or should I be talking about calcium vitamin D supplementation? Um, so, but it's a really non-invasive test. Most places um, will actually do it at the same places that you get your mammograms. So a lot of times I order both at the same time. I'm like, you're going for mammogram, just hang out and they'll go ahead and do that bone density for you and post them out on the same day. You don't need to do them yearly for most people. Um, but when you are due for a bone density, a lot of times you can schedule it at the same location as your mammogram. And has right. the uh, a quick picture. Has the treatment and the prevention of uh, uh, bone damage breaks gotten any better? What do people take now? So there's different medications. Um, there are a lot of different pills. So there's a lot of different oral medications that are options and everything. Um, for some people who don't respond to those or may not be good candidates for it, there are some um, injectables and um, an IV infusion and everything for certain people. But there are a lot of really um, tolerable medications that you could take at home in the comfort of your home once a week. That can and, make once a week? Some and, and what do they do, Dr. Charles? What do the medications do? They just they help reduce the how quickly bone breaks down. Um, they kind of block your body's ability to to leach the calcium out of the bones quickly. Because of that, it is super important when you're on uh, medication for osteoporosis that you're also taking some kind of a calcium supplement and monitoring those calcium levels. 
um, exercise is the other thing that we recommend um, for, for bone density to really strengthen bones. The best thing you can do is exercise. So something as simple as going for a walk, you know, 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes, three to five times a week of walking is very excellent treatment for thinning bones as well. And should people, Dr. Newton, who uh, have yet to be diagnosed with a bone density issue, take as a regular matter calcium supplements? Most people, it's completely fine for most people. If you have certain underlying medical conditions, you may not be able to take like calcium and vitamin D, but for the majority of people, like their calcium and vitamin D is in like your women's one a day, like these just over the counter multivitamins and everything like that. Um, but a lot of times people will do calcium comes on back on your normal physical labs for a lot of people and everything. So it's definitely something that you can see. Am I low here? Or um, if your bone densities are a little bit low, a calcium vitamin D supplement can be a, a great thing. Can you have too much vitamin D and too much calcium, Dr. Charles? Absolutely. Um, you know, which is why we do the lab work. You know, that's why we... Um, use that that screening annual lab we can monitor your calcium levels um, there are certain conditions where people will either hold on to too much calcium or um, not be able to excrete it normally so calcium levels can build up mm. and there are some people that it's not a good idea for them to be on a calcium supplement but all the more reason to get that lab work you know at least once a year to make sure that you're tolerating and that your levels are all within the normal ranges dr newton anything we haven't asked you that you want to toss in as we uh near the end of the program. No, I think if you are due for your annual exam, have a comfort and you're too scared to go, call your doctor's office, ask them what kind of procedures they're doing and see if they can put you a little bit at ease on how they can see you. I've definitely done some Medicare physicals via telemedicine and I can send you for labs at other locations or we'll schedule you at a time where our lab is not quite as busy. There's a lot of different options, um, but we don't want to ignore the need for this physical exam. So let us know how we can help you. That's really good advice. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Dr. Haley Newton at USMD at Las Colinas. We're delighted to have a chance to talk with you. I'm Ron Aaron, along with my co-host, Dr. Marisa Charles. We'll talk again soon on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.